Welcome to Run This World. I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom, back at it. Um, today, I have this really cool guest. So you know me, I'm out there kind of living in the in-between right now, doing my thing. I kind of like to say I don't really have a real job, but I just do a lot of cool stuff. And when I come across people that are doing things that are making the world a better place, I always reach out on a whim. And it's usually through that random like info at whatever company they are to see if I can talk to them and interview them and put them on my podcast. And so today's guest, Amy Kim from Kindtail is exactly that person. What's going on, and you guys are going to hear this right now for the very first time because I haven't really said anything publicly, the DeBooms are getting a puppy. Dun, dun, dun. Like I want to put some kind of sound effect in here because Tim and I have not had a puppy for 20 years. We had some dogs. We had two dogs and they were amazing. One of them was stinky and the other one was really athletic and they died and it was heartbreaking and sad. And we almost decided to maybe go ahead and try to get another dog after we kind of got through that terrible, you know, ending part. And then I got pregnant and we were like, sanity reigns. We will not get a puppy right now. We will have a baby. So here we are 10 years later, our little Wilder has been asking us for 10 years. Literally, she came out and was like, me want dog. Like she was just like, she couldn't even talk, but she knew she needed a dog. So as I was looking for the best crate, kennel, whatever you want to call it, I came across this amazing company. It's called Kindtail. And when I dug into their story, I saw that it was founded by a woman who was like herself amazing and great. And so Amy, that's your big intro today. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing more about you and this incredible vision you have for the world of humans and animals. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I mentioned that you're an entrepreneur. Most of us who start projects, I like to call, I like to call my business that I had a project, even though I ran it for 15 years and it got kind of big, always felt like a project. Most of us stumble upon these ideas out of need and passion. And I know that you are no different. So I would love to hear you share your origin story for Kindtail. Okay. So I am an automotive designer and a product designer by training. So um, I always design products, you know, consumer goods. When, whenever I look at products that aren't well designed or there's something wrong with it, I'm like, oh, we got to improve that or this can have this feature. Um, so I got my, I was living in New York. I got my dog monkey and I had one of those wire crates and I was like living in a small apartment and my friends were coming over for dinner one night. And so in a rush, I was trying to collapse the crate and I couldn't collapse it. I couldn't figure out how to collapse it. And then I hurt my finger. So I was like, there has to be something better out there. And then that night I searched the end of the internet and I couldn't find a good looking crate or something that I would want to put my dog in. So then I set out to design the best crate there is. And that's how I came up with a pod. Um, and I mean, the process has been very long. And like you said, it's a project. And then at some point I was like, 
this is the answer. And so, and that's when I started kind tail. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. So first of all, you know how like there's people out there that have like certain skill sets, kind of savant, like you're like that. You go, oh, I'm seeing something that's not quite right. Or like, you know, when you meet a dentist and then you're like all paranoid, like you don't want to want them to look at your teeth because you're like, something's probably wrong with my teeth. He's staring at my teeth. Um, I can just see you like in the back of your brain, all your little synapses clicking when things are like, oh, this could be better. But it, it takes the right idea for someone like you to actually act on it. And what's funny is that with your crate, it took you getting a little injury <laughs> since you hurt your finger. Yeah. Um, because I was like, how, how is it that I can't figure out how to collapse this thing? And you have to collapse it like every now and then, you know, to put it away. So it just didn't make sense to me. And then it, it, I mean, it's designed from the 1960s and then they never updated it. So, you know, why you are doing, okay. You know, a product is brilliant when it hits the market and everyone looks at it and goes, why didn't I think of that? Or why didn't that happen sooner? Like it's a no brainer. So let's talk about, okay, let me actually share one quick story about my dog. Annie had one of those metal crates, like jaws, we'd call it. And as she got older, she developed thunderstorm anxiety. And one day we came home and she was out of the crate, this old nine-year-old dog. And it was kind of pried open. There was blood around it. She had literally gotten out of a metal, one of those terrible looking metal cages is what I think of the old crates as cages. I think of your crates as homes, right? And I was just sitting there thinking, not only is this thing terrible, I feel like I'm putting my dog in jail, but she basically injured herself trying to get out of the thing and she was able to get out. Mm -hmm. And um, it never actually crossed my mind at the time that maybe there could be another option. So I think like, I think it would be cool for you to describe your original product here and how it is different. So when you think about your dog, right, they've become our family members. Um, they're not just your pet anymore. They're like, I've been invited to four birthday parties and it was all dogs' birthday parties, right? <laughs> so we've just, <laughs> we've just kind of um, evolved with our pets uh, as our family members. And if you like you can't imagine putting your infant baby in a metal like crib, right? So if you think about our pets, we don't want to do that. We don't want to put them in something that makes us feel bad and that makes us feel scared to put them in. So we want to put them in something that's beautiful, that's pleasing to the eye. Um, so our kind tail crate, the pod, it's uh, first off collapsible. Right. So when someone is coming over and you need that free space, you could uh, collapse it, put it away, or you could take it with you when you travel. Um, second, it's be beautiful. Like, so it's pleasing to the eye. So people don't have to put a towel over their crate or um, hide it when people come over. It looks like it's part of the furniture, like the furniture. So it, it could be um, a coffee table of sorts, like an end table. And then third, that it's lightweight um, and it comes in 
four different colors. So it fits your, you know, your interior so that, you know, you feel great about your choice instead of putting your dog in something that makes you feel bad. You know, it's like you got rid of the sharp edges, Mm -hmm. you know, you got rid of the industrial look. You don't feel like they're in jail. And when I saw it, I was, I thought, is this an end table? I literally was like, this looks like furniture and it's pretty, like, it's actually pretty. I think we got like the teal green. Is that what color? What do you call that one? Light green, light green. And it's so cool. It's going to look really good in our front room. Um, and you know, it just made me feel personally, just made me feel better about doing crate training. That's another thing, you know, like you said, pets are our family. We don't want to torture them. So how great will it feel if we're putting them in something that we think they might enjoy, whether they do or not, I don't know. Do you have any studies or (laughs) experiences with that? Well, I think when we use products that make us feel bad, we want to stop using it. Right. And so then people just stop crate training because they're like, well, we, this thing's so ugly and my dog looks so, you know, sad in it. But then, you know, when they use the pod, it's beautiful and dogs actually love having a space of their own. You know, if you imagine like your own bedroom, it's like your own sanctuary. And so like, sometimes when I talk to my customers, they have multiple crates for their home because they want their dog to feel safe in every room, like the living room and the bedroom, you know, or upstairs by their office, or some people have, you know, multiple unit, one for their office and one for their home. So it, we're just kind of creating a space for them that they feel comfortable in so that um, we don't have to, you know, stop crate tra- and stop crate training. Um, to like the first year and then stop using it afterwards because it is actually like if you leave a crate at home with a dog, they naturally go into that space. So you will see that dogs actually love having their space. Oh my gosh. And when you say pod, a lot of people are like POD, a pod, but you're, this is your kind of like little branded, you guys have this cool language you're creating, you know, it's like your doggy human (laughs) combo language, pod meaning P-A-W-D right? Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that language. So what we want to convey is that we are in our, in our own sense, like a kind tell universe, right? Uh, we call our pet, uh, pet parents, we call them parents. Um, <laughs> and we use our, these little funny puns because having pets is fun. It's joyful. And they're, and we want to kind of, enlighten our branding and um, have fun with what we're doing. Cause often our Instagram social media page is really about how crazy we are about our pets. And it's completely true. Right. So then we want to make jokes of it. We want to have fun and we want kind tail to be something that brings light to your life um, and your dog as opposed to, you know, like we're like a serious brand about, you know, serious design. No, like we want to have fun. Yes. We want you to feel that. Honestly, if it's not fun, it is not worth doing. But, you know, as someone who started business in the past, I do know that every day is not always fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I think as part of your origin story of kind tale and how you started, what I gathered is that you weren't at the highest point in your life when you were starting. 
Were Mm -hmm. you, can you talk a little more about that? Like what were you doing that had put you into maybe a bit of a slump? Okay. So I got my dog monkey. Um, and a year later I got pregnant and while I was having, um, while I was pregnant, I found out I was going to be a single mother, um, unexpectedly. And so monkey, um, got me through the whole pregnancy and I had my baby and I've, you know, reset my life. Um, cause I moved, I was living in New York at the time. And when I found out I was having a baby, I moved back to LA because I wanted to be near my family. And so while I was pondering how I was going to start my career, I said, because I had start the idea in New York, but in New York, I was busy chasing my, um, like I was working for another startup and I was focused on other things. And it was only when I had the time for myself, I really reflected and thought about what was really important to me. And if I was going to going to reset my career, what is it that I want to do that would, that I would be excited about. So then that's when I fully pursued Kindtail, starting Kindtail. You know, that's so important for us to remember because when we're in transitions in our lives, be it personal or business or career, you know, we often are driven by like, how are we going to make enough money? That's like the one big driver. And it's such a negative place to start from. And if you can get yourself to shift that thinking to what will make me happy? What aligns with who I am today? I think it it just, it, it allows you to start the next thing from a place of pure intentions. And yep. I think this is what I know about you. You started Kindtail with really pure intentions. Can you talk a little bit about like the, the, the mission, you know, that, that underlying theme or philosophy that really drives you? So because the relationship I had with my dog, um, and it's, he monkey, he it's, it's hard to explain, but my dog really saved my pregnancy and me like emotionally taking care of him and like him just giving me love. And while I was pregnant, all he would do is put his like little head on my belly and just make me feel at ease. Um, and that's the kind of like love and kindness that our pets give us, you know? And so I wanted to return that. And that's why the name is kind tale, because we want to spread the message of being kind to our pets. Um, and because they're always kind to us. Right. And so our, one of our marketing, um, campaign was about, we use, um, disabled dogs. Because we want to highlight that there's different types of pets, not just the beautiful, perfect ones you see in in advertisements, but then, you know, some have um, three legs or some are blind. And my mom personally has a dog that only has one eye. And my best friend also has a dog that um, is blind. And it's that we never see those types of dogs in our day-to-day life. They're not featured. So then everybody thinks that it only, it never like, it never happened to them or, you know, it's only their dog. So then that's why we wanted to highlight that there's different types of animals and they live a perfectly happy life. They're not that much harder to take care of. Um, So we want to weave that kind of kind messaging around everything that we do and tell the story of the love for the pet and how we can be kind to them. Oh, I love that. 
Well, you know, going back to this news you were dealt when you realized you're going to be a single mom, can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. It doesn't, you know, it's a little side rabbit hole here, but I think it's important because every day somebody is experiencing what you went through and they probably feel very alone. So in your situation, I assume you were potentially in a relationship Mm -hmm. And when you got pregnant, it was like, yeah, that's not going to work out. So we were engaged. Um, I'm just going to go really deep in the story. (laughs) Good. And um, I found out he was having an affair when I was eight months pregnant. So then that's when I, but during the time that I was pregnant, I was like, am I going to be a single mother? Why is he acting like this? He's like a really bad guy. So I was going back and forth and I couldn't figure it out. But then I was having a baby. So then that was the priority on my mind. But at eight months, I found out. And honestly, that was, it was really hard to find out. But at the same time, like the night that I found out, I went home and slept like a baby because I knew for sure that I was going to be a single mother and knowing and just kind of like having that direct path was lot easier than going back and forth. Am I going to be a single mother or am I not? Is he going to stick around or whatever? So, and I always say it was one of the hardest things that happened to me, but it was a catalyst to three things that three most beautiful things that happened to me after one is I had my son, beautiful boy. He's seven. Now two, I was forced to start my business because it made me reset my life. And three, I met my husband, um, who's the love of my life on a plane. (laughs) And we could talk about this, Nicole. Oh, we have to compare plane stories. Yeah, that is amazing. Can I just say, I so resonate with the concept that living in no man's land is worse than hearing a hard truth. Yeah. So for anyone on either side of this equation, whether you're too wimpy to tell the hard truth or you know something is weird, something's up that's not being told, like, get some balls, <laughs> get out there and say it mm-hmm. because it's going to help both of you Yeah, to do it. Oh my God. But it allowed you to move on. That's like tough, but freeing. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. All right. How'd you meet Yogi? <laughs> okay. Um. So I was... Uh, coming home from San Francisco on a work trip, like, um, like on a Wednesday night or something. And he was too. And it's funny because like he saw me and he wanted to talk, like he saw that I was going to be sitting next to him. So he sat down, he was like, hi. And then I just put my earphones, headphones in because I didn't want to talk to him. It was like, like a work trip. And I was like, why are you talking to me? And I put it in and then he was like, hi, again are you from LA and I was like yes and I put it back in and then the third time he was like hi my name is Yogi and then I was like okay fine how did you get that name and then that's how we started the conversation (laughs) you know what it was persistence yes persistence and he knew he couldn't let this one go Wow. That's so amazing because Tim and I are like the exact same, but opposite roles. Okay. (laughs) Literally, I was sitting on an airplane going to a race in Cancun, Mexico, and I was like a brand new triathlete. 
And all these gorgeous triathletes were walking down the aisle. I was just staring at all of them going like, oh, wow, I picked the right sport, you know? <laughs> and then the cutest one came and sat right next to me. And I just had this feeling that I would have to hold back, but I literally couldn't. I was like, there's something about his energy that I can't just pounce, but I couldn't. I, he sat down and I was like, hello, are you going to the race? You know, <laughs> just struck it right up. And he gave in pretty darn quickly, but you know, we, when we know something special is about to happen, we got to wear down those people. Cause we can't let those opportunities pass. Yeah. So and what about him? What about him? Like kept you engaged and made you move forward? Um, because we, you know, honestly, we were talking about silly, silly stuff like dating and, you know, and I thought I would never see him again because I lived in Orange County and he's in LA. And, and then when we, when we said goodbye, he was like, Hey, can I have your number in case you're in LA? And I was like, you know what? I'm never in LA, but here you go anyway. And then he was, he didn't get his first date until like two and a half months later. So he was persistent after that. Wait, you kept saying no. Well, I was kind of like, you know, yes essentially I, I and and I I was putting it off and then I said in one time I was in LA with my friends and I said you can come meet us there um and he really just showed up by himself and I was like okay <laughs> he really needed you he knew well and you had a little kid how old was Zane at that point he was two wow yeah yeah. And it's interesting because you think, well, a lot of people wouldn't be interested if somebody's coming with child, right. You know, into the equation, but he, he was a special guy. Mm -hmm. He is a special guy. I mean, if you met him, you, you'd know he is a special guy. Very, very kind. You know, when I first reached out, you were like, you have to meet my husband because he does all this cool, like inspirational, you know, mm -hmm. work out in the world. Maybe you know, one thing I did read about you, somebody in a, in an article you were, you were featured in asked about your biggest supporters. And so I think it's cool if you want to share a little more about your support system, maybe starting with Yogi. Yeah. You know, when you start a business, it's not just um, a journey for you. It's the whole family's involved, right? Because you work so much, right? From morning and your brain space um, is taken up by all these things that you have to manage, especially when you're in the, in the early stages. And um, so my husband's my biggest cheerleader and he allows me to have like, it's weird to say allow because you don't need really need permission from somebody, but at the same time, like, you know, how amazing is it that I have a husband that like supports me and what I'm doing. And like, if you saw our house, sometimes when we have all the inventory that gets returned and then before it gets routed to another warehouse, I have to just park it somewhere for a little bit. And then our garage looks crazy. And, you know, just all the things that I have to do for my business. And he just says, go chase your dream. Like what that means. Um, it means a lot. And I have a sister who is, you know, she's a executive at a, a big company. And so she helps me in refining my thinking process. I mean, she's, I, I call her the, the dream killer because I'll come with an idea and then she'll kill it, but it only makes it better. 
right? Because she's just really tough on me. Um, and I'm so- relating. I'm a big like idea person. And I literally would come into meetings and be like, you guys, I have an idea. And everyone would be like, it was like the defenses went up and you could just see, like, I wasn't realizing that maybe this pro- proclamation of idea might create extra work or pressure or whatever. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I love to meet a fellow idea person. And we do all need those people who kind of put us in line because then, you know, if she actually approves an idea, it's a good one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But (laughs) so funny. I, I have to prepare myself when I talk to my sister and tell her about an idea because I know um, she'll come at me hard, you know, but it's good. And she, man- she, she manages a lot of people. She hires a lot of people. And so she always tells me, okay, when you hire. So one thing I learned from her, she said, when you hire women, they always ask for 20% less for their salary than they deserve men. They always ask for 20 more. So she tells me all this bias that happens, she sees in the workplace. So then, you know, I get that information and then I'm like, okay, now I'm aware that this is how um, these biases are operating. So I have to be, you know, in, I have to prep better because she'll say, you know, when a woman pitches an idea or to an investor, they think sometimes you make emotional decisions. So there's even more questions asked. So then she preps me in so many ways that um, you don't think about, right? Because unless it's directly happening to you or a big uh, group, you don't see it. Right. I mean, you're not lined up against people so you can actually see what's going on. You will never know unless you hear from somebody who's watching behind the scenes and has the experience. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, that blows my mind, but it doesn't surprise me. Like as a a fellow women business owner, I, I feel like I never felt, I don't know, like people were biased against me as a woman. Mm -hmm. However, I do think I paid myself a lot less than a lot of men who Mm -hmm. weren't as successful. You know, I noticed that some of my male friends would go out and raise money and immediately jack their salaries up to, you know, hundred K minimum to start, you know, and it was just like, from there you went. And for me, it took me 10 years to make a hundred K and like, we had to be over, you know, close to 5 million in revenue to make that. And I, I just, I look back on it and I, it makes me mad at myself, but I think it's also an important thing that we can actually talk about this a little more publicly and that can help people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm like you, I, you know, I'm like, Oh, I can't, I can't pay myself, but my husband, he's like, why not? You can do it. And then, and then I'm like, really, can I? And then I'm like, why can't I? So then your frame, like you're kind of reframing the question, like, well, why can't I? Because, you know, and this is why I, they, I think I've read a research somewhere that women run um, their return on investment is way higher than men. And yet only like women get only 5% of the VC money or less than 5%. Uh, because women where we tend to be like overthinkers, right? So then we, we are overprepared. You know, we make sure that all our numbers are accurate. Um, everything is in order and that we never overpitch because we, we think that, 
you know, we, we don't want to um, kind of over inflate ourselves. Whereas men, you know, I mean, I'm just generalizing here that they'll come in and say, yes, this is our dream. And I believe in this and then sell, sell you so much more um, and yet deliver a lot less because they just come with that kind of like energy. And so, yeah, I think it's yeah. you have to pay attention to as a woman entrepreneur that, you know, I, and I, and I, you know, what's interesting. I see a lot of these um, recent documentaries about founders like the Theranos one and the We Crash, uh, We Work, and some of these other stories. And I, the one thing that all, and granted, they're not like founders you want to follow, but from all their stories, I see there's one thing in common is that they all believe in their idea, whether it works or not, like the, the Theranos, the, the technology wasn't there, but they believe it in a delusional way. They like believe it so much that they think it's like the billion dollar dream, right? So then that's how they bring other people on board. And so it's an important lesson to, you know, maybe maybe you need to over inflate. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know the right solution. I mean, it's like we, I never wanted to under deliver right? Mm -hmm. So the bigger yeah. you say you're going to be, if you don't have the stats to back it up and you're going off of some gut feeling and faith, which maybe we're implying that men will do more often than women, you have a higher, greater chance of underperforming and you don't want to underperform. No yes. one does, but there's this gray line. And, you know, at the bottom of it all, would you say what, you know, trait is it, confidence? Like what is it that's driving us that allows us to be successful versus faltering? Women or in general? Maybe in general. I don't know. I think for me right now, um, for me, I need to have courage. courage. You know, courage is a really important word and I put it up on my wall. Um, it's intuition courage um because you know i i'm in the process of fundraising and it's easy for me to say oh i can't do that the self-talk right you know like the i can't do that can i do that and then you know now i've kind of re reprogrammed uh because i work with a business coach to reframe my mind what if i can do that right and then that kind of changes the momentum instead of saying, can I do that? Like, what if I could, what if I could do that? in you know, in five years, what if I can do that in eight weeks? What if I could do it in four weeks? So kind of reframing the question in your mind so that you allow yourself to think big and to have courage and not have the overinflation I mentioned earlier, but to think big and to allow yourself to dream big, you know, not just, um, playing small. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love this playing big. You know, it also, it makes me think of the question, what if it all works out instead of, mm -hmm. you know, what if I fail? Let's change that. And I just love this. Um, God. And so was, did you, you said you did some work on this. So are you a big, like kind of 
self-development person? Like, did you have a smaller mindset going into this and you've had to reframe and how did you do that? You know, I always say entrepreneurship is self-discovery because you learn a lot about yourself, right? When you work for a corporation, when, you know, things don't go your way, you're like, Matt, like you don't have too much at stake. Um, But when you start your own business, you really have to learn resilient, how to be resilient and to kind of retrain your brain. And so I work with the... um, a business coach. And he really helps me to refocus because, um, you know, when you start a business, so many things go wrong all the time. And in the beginning, I would be like, why is this happening to me? Why me? Why me? And I would always play the victim role because like things that you can't even imagine, like things being stolen out of the fulfillment center or, you know, your truck um, missing a huge shipment to a retailer and getting lost or all these things that are completely out of your control. I just became a victim to it. But my um, coach, he said, what if you said, what can I learn from this? What is this trying to teach me? And so instead of being a victim, I'm always asking myself, what am I trying to, what am I learning from this experience? What is the universe trying to teach me so that I can learn? And so it's just kind of reframing all these things that happen. And over time, you, your mind just automatically goes there. So it no longer will go to a place where I have to act. Like, for instance, I'm going to give you an example. Like my fulfillment center lost um, $20,000 worth of merchandise. But I was in such a Zen place that I was like, you know what? Because I knew that I could get extremely upset and that it could bring me down. But what was the point, right? Because I knew that um, it it wasn't going to change the outcome. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry my I expect walking. this. This is like <laughs> expected. I love it. Um, sorry. Okay. So I knew it wasn't going to change the outcome. So then um, I asked myself, what, can, what is this trying to teach me? And so I become less reactionary and more thoughtful in my approach, which makes me a better uh, CEO. And a better mom and a better <laughs> wife and a better human. You know, I love that. And I think, you know, one of the other themes that keeps coming up too is this idea that we're constantly asking for permission, Mm. you know, and even in a case like this, you have to throw that stuff away. But I do know that women tend to ask for permission more than men do. Yeah. Even as you're starting your company, am I good enough to do this? Do I have what it takes? You know, is it going to hurt other people in my life? Like you're basically asking for permission from like 20 different sources before you allow yourself to move forward. Yeah. I find that really interesting. Do you have any examples of that? Yeah. So I can give you an example right now where we're, uh, we're in the middle of a fundraise or we're starting to, so I'm getting all our, um, investor deck ready and do doing all our financials. Right. And then where I'm seeking feedback from people also. And then I'm always like, well, I need an answer from him. And do, do you think he thinks it's okay? Oh, if he says uh, it looks good, then it must be good. So I'm looking for outside validation to validate what we're doing, you know? And so I'm 
asking myself, like, did their advice truly impact our, um, our like deck or our business plan? Or did I just need that validation for myself to feel better before or have more confidence? So it's always like a back and forth because some, I really do need advice. Right. But, and some, I'm just asking for that feedback so I can feel better, more confident about, you know, starting the process. Yeah. And that's such a good example in the fact that you're using this in a healthy way. You know, it's funny in business, no one can ever do it for you. I mean, Mm. your employees, I'm not talking about tasks within the company, but like, if you want to go after a goal, there is no magic pill that somebody gives you that suddenly that goal appears. Like you are the one steering the ship. You're making it happen. And it takes a strong person who can dig into both, you know, the strengths and your own weaknesses to help run the ship in the right way. Do you ever feel like there's like, too much pressure or does the pressure get to you in a way where you're like, I don't know if this is sustainable. Um, so when I first started the company, um, I was always asking myself, Oh God, can someone give me an answer? Can someone give me an answer? Like, it was just like a self-talk, like that never stopped. Can someone give me an answer? I wish someone can can give me an answer. And then at some point I realized no one's going to give me an answer. And so then I just started asking myself, okay, you got to follow your heart. Um, Like follow my intuition, right? What your gut feeling, because that's so important when you're running a business and a lot, I mean, you, you do have metrics that help you kind of make the right decisions, but at the end of the day, it's also like your gut, your intuition, like do I think that product's going to fail or do I think that product's going to succeed? It's the gamble. So then you have to go with your gut. And when you mentioned um, the pressure, anytime I feel any sort of pressure, I remember why I started Kindtail and it's for the love of my dog and love of product design, being creative. So then I just remember the fun, joy and love and like the softness about running a business, not the, the hardness is, which is like the, like actually selling and doing all the analytical work, you know, the emotional part, you know, the part that's me where, you know, I am having fun. I love what I'm doing and I love my dog. So then that the pressure comes off. And every time I go to like an investor meeting or something, Um, I try to go with like love instead of like having fear, because once you're in that fear mode, you're no longer in the same plane as them, you know, they're higher and then you're lower. So then I'm like, oh, I have to, I have to pitch my idea. So, you know, so they could like see what I'm doing. But if I go from a place of love, like, this is what I love. This is what I'm doing. And I hope you can see the value in it then it makes everything so much easier. So that's my trick is I try to feel the love, joy, and fun. <laughs> I, this is so cool. I mean, we're all occasionally put in a pressure cooker and some of our chosen careers include more of it more often. And you're entering a stage, you're trying to raise a bunch of money. I mean, Kindtail is going to be a household name soon, you know? 
I was thinking back, you were reminding me of like when I would get to the starting line of like an Ironman triathlon and there's so much pressure and you just, Mm -hmm. you feel like if I don't perform well, it's like the world will end. Right. And so you find tips and tricks to try to turn that mindset around. And just like you, when you would go in and your perspective was why am I actually doing this? Let's remind ourselves. It's about being kind. It's about our pets and how much we love them. And, um, and for me, it was, it's just another long workout day with a bunch of friends with a catered, um, you know, fuel stops. That's what it is. It doesn't have to be winning a world championship. Every time you go into a meeting, some Mm -hmm. things are going to click and some of them aren't right. Okay. So Amy, as you are moving into full pet global domination, I want to know, it's actually a two-part question. What do you perceive as your superpower and what does, let's use Yogi as an example. What does Yogi perceive as your superpower? Is it the same? So my superpower is that I am determined. So uh, when I'm committed to something, I actually follow through. Um, And so in that way, I am a tunnel vision, tunnel mind. (laughs) I forgot what that word is. But basically, when I'm focused on something, I'm laser focused, and then I will not give up on it until I get to that goal. I love that. Um, My husband, what he would think is my superpower. Hmm. Can can I ask him since he's right here? Yes, ask him. (laughs) Okay. I want to hear Yogi, I have a question for you. Join us. (laughs) What do you think is my superpower? Hmm. Hi, Yogi. How are you? How are you doing? (laughs) I heard a lot about you. I heard a lot about you. Oh, thank you. I want to see if this is, you didn't hear her answer. So this is going to be good. I think Amy's superpower is like, no matter what, she's always loved harder. Like no matter what's happened in her life or her business or it doesn't matter. Like she's always loved harder. And I, I've always been inspired by that. Ah, oh, you're a keeper. You know, um, <laughs> somebody once told me that your superpower is often the thing you're easy. That's easy for you. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I just love this. I think laser focus is a good superpower and loving harder. Oh my God. Who is this guy? All right. Um, now that we're all in love with you and you are our new hero and we're all rooting for you, I would love for you to explain to everyone listening, what kind, like what product line do you currently have available? What should they get from you? So if you're in need of a pet crate, we are the company. Um, we have collapsible, beautiful, lightweight, uh, plastic crates that comes in four different colors. Uh, and we have pads and fluffy beds that goes inside. So we're upgrading your dog's home to a polis, what we call, yeah. And then this is our newest product we launched. It's a travel bowl, which which has like, it's like a Tupperware system for your dog. It's got a, a water bowl on the outside and a food bowl on the inside. And it's made out of recycled plastic and it has silicone grip on the bottom so that it doesn't move while it's on the surface. I love that. I'm, I actually have purchased all of those things 
and I cannot wait to show them off. Um, and they can find you at kindtail.com. Yeah, they can find us at kindtail.com. We're also on petco.com, Chewy, and Bloomingdale's. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, I, now that not, so <laughs> now that I'm going to be a new dog owner again, um, I need to know all the ways to shop. That's for sure. What I love too is I know this is hard as a small business owner, but you offered free shipping on my crate. Yeah. Because I hit a certain you know, price or right. So that's, you know, for anybody who's like, I can't buy it unless it's on like Amazon or blah, blah, blah. Cause of free shipping. Guess what? You can buy directly from Amy from her garage only in transit. (laughs) Um, so now that, uh, I will be, as I just mentioned, a new puppy owner, Cannot wait. Um, just so you know, I'm getting a French bulldog. I'm trending along with America. It's what my daughter wanted and we've already named him and his name is pickle. And so his green crate will be perfect. Um, do you have some advice for me? I haven't done this for 20 years. I do not know what I'm doing. And we're like slightly nervous about how the first like month is going to go. Um, You know, what I used to do with my dog monkey is that I would put his crate next to my bed, like on a chair. So he felt like he's close to me, but then he wasn't sleeping on the bed with me because I didn't want him to get in the habit of doing that. Um, He's sleeping on my bed with me now, but uh, (laughs) he can be trusted now. (laughs) Yeah. They they pee and poo. So like, you don't want them like on your bed. Right. So then I would have him just close to me, like on a chair in a crate so that he felt like he was close to me, but, um, he was still in his crate. Oh, that's so perfect. Cause I was like, so he's going to be in the crate on the floor, but no, duh. It's like the small things. I would never have thought of that. That's brilliant. All right. We, uh, but you know, I don't know if my husband, and I will actually sleep in the same room. So one of us can get some sleep here. <laughs> I know it's, it's hard <laughs> in the beginning because you're just like, this is harder than a baby. Um, oh, I can't wait. Um, I will definitely send you an update. All right. Before we go, I'm going to ask you the final question. I ask everybody who comes on the show. And that is if you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their world in a bigger and better way, what would yours be? Hmm. Um, can it be, can it be two things? It can, it can even be three if you want. Um, I say is love come from a place of love. When you come from a place of love, um, the world just seems so much better. And so when you have, um, love things that used to seem really hard becomes easier And, um, my second word that I, that I would recommend to everyone is courage, um, to have love and have courage because those do those two things in combination will make you a powerful, powerful person and will help you accomplish anything you want. Oh, wow. We could just keep going. I could just hang, hang out with you all day. You could just start working and we'll keep it rolling because I love being in your presence. Thank you, Amy. You're incredible. You are doing great things. I want you to be successful in all the ways that you want. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 